C.C. Michael, host of All Things Alberta, the podcast that knows that Alberta will be better off on our own, and we really don't care what people east of Saskatchewan thinks about it. Let's get after it. Well, folks, welcome to All Things Alberta. I'm your host, CeCe Michael. Uh, Take two. We uh, just finished recording an hour-long session of of All Things Alberta number 19, and uh, and then it was after we ended the show that I went on and figured out that we didn't have audio through the whole thing. And so this this is take two. All we can really do is hope that we have a better show than the first one. I, I suppose that's one way of looking at it. As my son said, uh, why, Dad, why don't you just uh, have another uh, glass of wine and uh, and then have an even better show? So that's what I'm doing. Uh, we're, we're going to start again. And, uh, and so thank you for your patience. I just wanted to acknowledge the fact that uh, I, went, I went 10 weeks between shows over the summer and then it's been three weeks since my last show, and and so uh, I was at a gathering um, just a couple of days ago, and some of my listeners were there, and uh, they started uh, properly harassing me about uh, not having a show recently, and that uh, I said, well, maybe I'll, I'll do one after I get back from hunting. I'm taking off for hunting for a week. And they were like, no, no, you got to have one before you go. So here I am the, the night before uh, I leave for hunting. And uh, here I am doing a show and I'm doing it for the second time because I was too stupid to figure out I didn't have any audio the first time. I can already hear Ryan saying, if you had a show more often than once a month, you'd probably not forget uh, things like your audio button, dummy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. Okay. What are we going to talk about today? There's a there's a few things, and uh, maybe they'll come across a little less jumbled than they did in the first take of this show. But this is going to be this is going to be a bit of a hodgepodge, and I hope I can I can wrap it all together. I think they're all to some degree linked. Maybe we'll see how it goes. The first part of the show I wanted to talk about. Uh, Jacob, I should have taken the time between last show and this show to, to find out the guy's name. I want to say Jacob Brown. That can't be right, can it? The guy that was shot, you know what? The wonderful thing about Google is if you just pull it up and go Jacob, Jacob Blake. First name, Jacob Blake. There it is. Back when Jacob Blake was shot... And there was a short video released from somebody who who took a video of what was going on uh, with the show, uh, well, with the arrest, and uh, and and then all hell broke loose, of course, and and uh, more people died, and more people uh, lost their businesses, and there was more looting and more rioting and everything else from Jacob the Jacob Blake thing. Um, one of the one of the things that happened was that uh, I'm I'm a bit of a sports buff for for those that you don't know. Uh, I, I listen to a bunch of sports stuff. I'm into sports podcasts. I I watch some sports. I I had a live stream of uh, of Sportsnet, and uh, so I could watch hockey and baseball and and uh, basketball and whatnot. And after the Jacob Blake thing and and all the rioting that went on, this is when uh, I turned on sports talk radio and and I couldn't listen to it live because I I, I live down south in southern Alberta and and uh, but I, I'm an Oilers fan so I was listening to sports talk radio out of Edmonton and it's on podcast so I was just listening to the podcasts and and so it wasn't live but during the podcast uh, the the uh, the producer and the the show host, I guess you call them, kept going over and over again. And, th- and this is a show host, Low Tide, if, if uh, you guys don't know, Alan Mitchell. Uh, and this was out of uh, Team 1260. I'm a huge fan of Low Tide. I've, I've followed his 
his blog, he's got a blog that he's been writing since I think 06 and I've, I've followed it since I think 07. So it's a long, a long time. And, and, uh, uh, I really appreciate his stuff. I really appreciate his take. He's one of the most reasonable people that, that, uh, you know, even during the, the decade of darkness, we like to call it for Edmonton. Uh, he, he was usually a voice in the voice in the wilderness, so to speak, that, that, uh, really was able to calm the seas in, uh, Oilers nation, uh, that were ready to, to, uh, give up on the team and, and quit listening or quit watching and all that stuff. And, and Low Tide was one of those guys that, that kept things straight. But I was listening to him. I was also listening to Bob Stoffer on 630 Ched, Oilers Now. And uh, and I th- where, where things went sideways was after the Jacob Blake thing when they kept referring to themselves as non-essential. It was even worse than that. It wasn't just non-essential. It was basically saying that they didn't matter in the grand scheme of things nhl hockey sports in general and especially sports talk radio in the grand scheme of things doesn't matter and they kept bringing it up and i kept thinking why why are they doing that why are they reminding me as a listener that uh that i'm wasting my time in the grand scheme of things I'm wasting my time. And it just got to the point where I came to the understanding that I, not understanding, I was, I was always there. Being a Christian, I already know that I need to be careful with my time. I need to be, uh, I need to redeem my time. I, I, I don't spend all day wasting my time. It's okay to get distracted for a little bit, but we should be careful about not, not, whiling away our whole day which turns into a week which turns into months and on and on i shouldn't know more about sports than than the gospel or or uh you know what what god's word has to say so that's always been something since becoming a christian a number of years ago that's been something that that weighs on me but it doesn't mean that i can't I can't watch sports. I watch lots of sports and I listen to a lot of sports talk radio and I, and, and I enjoy sports. And so to be reminded over and over and over again by these people that make a living off of advertising that advertise on their show because they want listeners to listen to the advertising to remind us over and over and over again that they don't matter was, was, uh, I don't know, in my mind, incredible. Like, yeah, you're right. You, you don't matter. So therefore I'm going to turn you off now. And I have, I've turned them off. I have not listened to sports talk radio, uh, especially anyone that outright jumped on the black lives matter bandwagon. So I will admit, I still listen to David Staples. Uh, what's the, the cult of hockey, I think is, is that one. Uh, because they, him and Bruce McCurdy keep it to strictly Oilers stuff. Uh, they do not talk politics. They don't talk. Uh, when I when I truly want a distraction, I turn on them because they talk about just the Oilers and only the Oilers. And and uh, you know, it's a good good forty minutes that I can just veg out and and listen to something that's not serious. The issue that you run into when when all these sports uh, like, like all the ceremonies and like the pregame ceremonies and the, especially the dissecting of the ceremonies. I just want to scream. If I have to listen to Ron McLean bag on for, for two more seconds about anything social justice warrior related, I, I'm going to lose my mind. I, I don't even want to hear the guy. Uh, his, his, uh, I just can't stand him anymore. Um, and so anyway, um, when it gets to the point where, uh, what's the name of the Minnesota, it was a Minnesota defenseman that uh, Matt Dumba gave a, a pregame speech and then for the national anthem, he bowed down and then uh, a goalie who was black for Chicago, I forget, I think is that Subban, might be Subban, P.K. Subban's brother, Malcolm, Malcolm Subban. 
and uh, and then Darnell Nurse from Edmonton went over. And as Matt Dumba took a knee during the national anthem, uh, these two guys put their hand on his shoulder. And then there was outcry because those two guys didn't kneel down either. There's just no pleasing people. It's just unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. And on top of that, sports is pushing a narrative that that isn't lining up with facts. How come people don't listen to facts? Uh, if, if you want to know what the true numbers are with regards to uh, shootings in the U.S., with regards to black shootings versus every other shooting, white shootings, whatever, you can find those statistics easy enough. And in fact, I would point you to somebody, uh, a, uh, a a black woman conservative, uh, Candace, Candace, I can't remember her name. Uh, there are a number of black, Larry Elder's another one, uh, Thomas Sowell's another one, Walter E. Williams is another one. Um, these are all uh, conservatives that are, are, Candace Owens, uh, that are that are black conservatives, and and they are the ones that line up pushing the statistics, pushing back against this whole Black Lives Matter movement, which is nothing but a cover for Marxism, and they're blunt about it, it, it a cover for Marxism. How do you be a cover for something when you're blatant about it? The the founders of Black Lives Matter movement or foundation have come out and declared themselves to be trained Marxists. Uh, you go to the website and and you find out what they stand for. It's not just <clears throat> we want equality amongst all races and we want black people to uh, to uh, uh, not uh, you know even if even if you use their lingo uh, to to understand that that we want black people to feel safe in their streets or whatever. We want to fight systemic racism or or whatever. The problem is is that. It, that's really not the basis of their organization. The basis of their organization is Marxism. They want to tear down Western society, and they're blunt about it. And so when... I, I like the expression, go woke, go broke. And when you've got... Uh, when you look at the NFL numbers as far as the, the uh, TV viewership for the opening couple of weekends of uh, NFL, uh, the viewership ain't there, man. Like... They are tanking in the ratings. Uh, and any or sports organization that is jumping all over themselves and tripping all over themselves, which I'm sure Sportsnet is as well, you're going to lose numbers. And when you lose numbers, you lose revenue. And when you lose revenue, it's going to be the athletes that uh, partake of this revenue that are also going to lose out on it. I, I at least have respect for, I think it's the premiership... Um, Football, I guess it's called soccer. Soccer here, football in the UK, the Premier League. That were originally on the Black Lives Matter bandwagon, but within a very short order, they backtracked because they realized what Black Lives Matter organization or foundation was about, and they backed right off it. Now, did they back off the message? No. And I don't have any problem with the message of let's fight racism or or anything with regards to general racism. I don't know anyone who, who wouldn't stand up and fight for that. But that's not what Black Lives Matter is about. And I've had this conversation with, with uh, people at work that they've bought, that they've drank the Kool-Aid, which says that America is, and Canada is systemically racist, or that anywhere that's, that's uh, basically based upon Western civilization is system, uh, systemically racist, it, which is demonstrably wrong. Um, they, so they've bought into this narrative without, without looking into it. And so again, you have a bunch of do-well people that want to support, support a, a good cause, the good cause, of course, is anti-racism, which is fine. But at the same time, they're doing so by jumping on Black Lives Matter. This is one of the things, and I'm going to get to Michelle uh, Robinson in a second. If you remember her, my last show, Michelle Robinson, of native Calgarian. Um, th this is one of the major issues that I have. And even though Michelle said that uh, she directs people towards the the... Uh, the local chapter of Black Lives Matter or whatever. She, she, 
I'll give her the benefit of the doubt. She claims that she doesn't know what the whole Black Lives Matter foundation is about. She she is more into pushing the local organizations. Well, that's fine. But when you've got a local organization, like would you push a, a KKK, uh, local KKK membership that is uh, somehow trying to do good things um, without understanding that, that the entire organization is racist? You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't tie your wagon to organizations and then declare that, oh, that's not what our local chapter's about. It doesn't matter. Why would you tie your wagon to any organization that has such an absolute evil uh, uh, mandate? Black Lives Matter Foundation exists, just like Antifa exists, to bring down Western civilization. They want to burn it to the ground. And so whenever you march in a, in a parade or a protest and you wear anything Black Lives Matter or Antifa related, you're part of domestic terrorism. That's all there is to it. It's domestic terrorism. And if you're okay with that, that's fine. But I don't, I really can't buy this idea that, that that's not we're about. It's kind of like, and this is now a joke. I'm, I'm obviously a day late and a dollar short to the, to the pylon party. But um, when CNN is, is uh, uh, showing a, a protest in Minneapolis with uh, police building absolutely in flames behind it, and then the ticker tape across the bottom says mostly peaceful protests. Are you kidding me? Like, can you get any more 1984? Like, don't believe your eyes, just believe us. This is what we're reporting. It's ridiculous. So anyway, um, I have major issues and major problems with anything Black Lives Matter or Antifa uh, oriented. I uh, will fight tooth and nail with anyone that wants to promote Black Lives Matter or Antifa. Those are Marxist domestic terror organizations. And the very fact of the matter is that there are people out there that have been have been sucked into this idea that that racism is everywhere is uh, is beyond frustrating. I'm going to go off on a bit of a tangent here uh, j- just for a second because and I think I, I may have brought it up before, but I haven't really f- fleshed it out. But if, if you're not a Christian, um, which, which most people in the Black Lives Matter and uh, Antifa organizations are not, but even, even if you are somebody who stands up and says, yes, uh, I believe that uh, racism is wrong, um, let me ask you a question. Why? Why is it wrong? Give me justification for why it's wrong. I just took a sip of wine. Dramatic pause as I'm waiting for an answer that's not coming. What sorts of answers do I get when I ask people that are in front of me this question? Uh, you get you you get answers like because it's wrong, they're people too. Okay, um, very good. They're people too. I from a Christian worldview, I can I can say amen to that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But what but what gives us value? What what gives people value? Like, who cares? Why, why does anyone care what, what we do or what we think? Especially when we're taught, and most people believe this as a foundation, believe it or not, their foundation is based upon uh, human secularism, based upon uh, evolutionary biology. When you look at evolutionary biology or Darwinian evolution, which is still taught throughout schools as fact, by the way, it's not, it's not taught as a theory, it's taught as a fact. And, uh, and so... The obvious question to me is, how do you get worth and value out of, out of uh, uh, evolved pond scum? Um, and, and I'm not new to... Th- it's not me coming up with this. There's all kinds of, of brilliant people that, that have come before me and have made the same argument. And, and I'm guessing that most of my audience uh, has, has already heard this before, but some of you haven't. And, and if you are somebody who is not a Christian, you're an atheist or, or whatever you are, and, but, but you believe that all lives, 
sorry, you're standing up saying Black Lives Matter and that uh, it's wrong, racism is wrong. I would challenge the fact that you have absolutely no justification to have that stance at all. And if you would just stop and think about it, and I've had this conversation with people before, and, and they've just got mad. All they do is get mad. I can have ethics and morality without your Christianity. That's fine. I'm glad you do, by the way. I'm glad you do. Because if you're consistent with your worldview and your philosophy, you wouldn't have any because you have no foundation. You have no justification. You have no basis for that. You have to borrow from the Christian worldview in order to, in even order to define what ethics is, what right and wrong is. Why is racism wrong? As a Christian, I can tell you why. Because we're all made in the image and likeness of God and therefore are all valuable being in the image of God, we are all uh, afforded dignity and worth. Uh, thou shalt not kill. Why? Because uh, we are made in the image and likeness of God, and those that that uh, murder other people are attacking the very image of God. Uh, how how do you get worth from an atheistic worldview? How do you get how do you get worth from a secular uh, humanistic worldview? Other than other than trying to to declare that that we're all gods who evolved, we already know uh, what happened with the eugenics movement. And there, quietly, there's many people that hold on to the eugenics today. Uh, the whole Planned Parenthood uh, and and that movement was based upon eugenics. Why do you think? Why do you think most Planned Parenthoods are located in poor and uh, let's just call it ethnically diverse areas? You don't find too many Planned Parenthoods in uh, Beverly Hills, right? Or or some other rich area of, uh, of of civilization. You find them in the poor district, where generally speaking, those are where you have the immigrants and and uh, the the minorities. That was done on purpose, people. And, and you don't have to look hard or far into into seeing uh, uh, the history of that organization based upon eugenics. Eugenics is an obvious and natural outflow of Darwinian evolution, which is still taught. So therefore, uh, people are, are being hypocritical in trying to declare uh, uh, racism to be wrong, although I would argue that, that racism in North America has dropped precipitously in the last hundred years. Um, but at the same time, you still have people that declare that that uh, racism is everywhere. It's it's just annoying. It's annoying on a number of fronts. Number one, that's not true. And number two, uh, so what? According to your worldview, why is that a problem? It's frustrating. Anyhow, uh, I just wanted to move on. My last my last show was with. Michelle Robinson, uh, native, uh, also, I, I don't, don't want to call her native Calgarian. I think, I'm not sure what, what that is. I think it's an organization she has founded native Calgarian. Um, and, and I hold to everything I've said before. Uh, Michelle Robinson is a nice person. I believe that she's well-meaning. Um, and, uh, she's a wonderful person. Uh, been friends with her for a very long time. And yet, uh, our last conversation that we had was uh, the one that we did online there where you can watch or you can listen and hear, and, and it was very cordial. One of the things I want to just bring up for, for a second is the fact that it, I believe it was cordial because there was no pushback. She said a few things in that, in that show that, that I offered little to no pushback on. Um, and it's and it's really easy to have a cordial conversation when um, it's not it's not really a conversation. A conversation generally has two sides, and you go back and forth, and you're sharing ideas and whatnot. Um, that was a show that was was deliberately just there to establish a base, a friendly base that uh, that um, I wanted to show her and show my audience and show her audience and and whatnot that that I mean no no uh, malice I'm not here to to, to beat anybody up um, and that that we could get along that we can give each other the benefit of the doubt and uh, and that we could have rational reasonable conversations that's why I had her on 
And I was really hoping that it would lead to many more conversations that, that we could have and share. And um, But one of the things that I've learned over my years of, uh, of ministry, I was, a, I was a pastor for five years uh, and, uh, and uh, also a public school teacher for six. And, and uh, as you interact with people, you, you start to see patterns, you start to see things. And, and especially as a Christian, there's, there's a line in, in Christianity where it talks about not casting your pearls before swine. And that's a, it's a highly offensive <laughs> people talk about nice Christians. Um, yeah, uh, swine was largely considered a dirty animal, especially 2,000 years ago and before that, especially to Jews. Um, and, and yet Jesus essentially calls us to be careful about not casting our pearls before swine. And, uh, and, and that's a highly offensive thing to say. Uh, and it's meant to be offensive. But there's a principle there. The idea is that, that there's a principle there. And that principle, I believe, has something to do with... Um, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling a little bit, so, so allow, me some, allow me some room for those theologians that are listening that are going to, uh, to get your shorts in a knot. There's a principle there in which I believe there's, there's a certain percentage of the population who are ideologues uh, and they're on opposite ends of the spectrum. So you've got your, your ideologues over here and you've got your ideologues over there. And, and uh, I think it's important to try to reach out. I think there's a, there's a point at which you, you uh, try your best to uh, have those important conversations, but you eventually reach a point where you realize that this is pointless and it's pointless because where they stand, their ideology, their presuppositions that they're standing on are so entrenched in their thinking that I'm wasting my breath. And you're trying to figure out, and I would encourage anybody, anybody and everybody to, to try to have conversations. You have to have conversations because when the conversations stop, that's when... That's when the violence starts. And so let's let's try to hold off the violence for as long as possible. Keep the violence at bay for as long as possible. But at the same time, we also have to recognize that uh, we might be wasting our time. And so after a great conversation with Michelle, um, I, I, I followed her again on Facebook. I followed, and she pretty much... Uh, double post. She'll post things on her on her own Facebook page, and then she'll do it again on Native Calgary. And I was following both, and uh, and she she puts a whole lot of stuff on there that just makes you cringe. Um, and let me let me pause there for a second just to to drop another another abject lesson. If if you are somebody who is uh, who has an important message for other people. And I need to remember this myself. But if you are if you're somebody that has an important message for other people, you have to make sure that you protect your reputation. And what I mean by that is... Uh, let me use a Christian example. I know of Christian people who share the gospel, share their faith, share their testimony, which is which is all good and wonderful things. And then they'll also share quite quite loudly and vehemently uh, flat earth stuff. Now I know not all flat earthers are Christians. I, I know that. Uh, but there's a certain percentage that are. And I, I, I don't know what to do with that. I, I, I just shake my head uh, because do they not realize that they're undermining their own more important message with regards to the Christian faith and sharing the gospel and, you know, hoping the sheep hear Jesus' voice and, and whatever. Uh, and, and they've lost the voice because suddenly... They're 
screaming and yelling about flat earth, which is just ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And so you've undermined the very, the more important message that you undermine the more important message and anybody can fall into this trap. And I, and I think, um, uh, Michelle has, has kind of fallen into that, which is unfortunate because I think, especially when it comes to native issues, I think she's, she's bang on with a lot of it. And, and she's got a lot of knowledge and a lot of things that, that, uh, everybody needs to know, uh, or should know. And, and so, that's the sort of stuff that, that I want to hear and I want to learn more and I want to listen. Like you want to talk about, let's have a conversation and let's listen. Well, that's something that I'm passionate and, and interested in learning more. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the message gets drowned out by other social justice warrior stupidity, which is demonstrably wrong. And the hardest part is, is that, uh, she and others have shown themselves to not be teachable. So what they mean when they say that we all need to listen and we need to have a conversation, what happens is when they demonstrate that they're not willing to listen and they're not willing to learn, they're not willing to be called out on stuff that's just factually wrong. And let me give you the example that kind of set this whole thing off is uh, she quoted a friend of hers who started off a somewhat lengthy post about the fact, the fact that uh, a black person earning $175,000 a year uh, has more trouble, more issues getting a primary mortgage. I think that was the term used uh, than a white person earning $45,000 a year. Hashtag white privilege. I, to be honest, I, I did read through the rest of the post, but it was kind of skimmed and, and it's hard to, it's, it's hard to really pay attention after an opening like that, because you're just, you're so steamed. You're like, seriously, like, how do I take the rest of this post seriously? When the, the very first argument, the very first premise given is just demonstrably false. Uh, this is idiotic. And so I, I commented underneath it and I was nice. I, I didn't say anything. I don't think I said anything bad, especially coming from, from me, who's very capable of being uh, uh, a tad on the snarky sharp side. Uh, I said, uh, <clears throat> Michelle, it's time for another conversation. It's BS posts like this that drive me crazy. Well, instead of coming back with, yeah, I'd love to, uh, I'd love to discuss which part do you find, you know, BS or which part do you, do you disagree with or, or whatever. Uh, she came back with, uh, my bias, prejudiced, racist, white privileges showing. Um, and, and, and then proceeded to, to try to declare that now her and somebody else has tried to teach me, but I won't listen. And this is why she blocks people. She didn't try to teach me anything. She, she repeated a post that was demonstrably false. It's just false. That's, that's wrong. And if you're going to declare that, I want to, I want you to show me at what bank what the situation, what the, what the two situations were, who's this hundred and who's this black person that earns $175,000 a year that didn't get a primary mortgage where that white person did get a, a, uh, who makes $45,000 a year did get uh, a mortgage. How about the very fact that your premise is so stupid that white privilege, oh uh, yeah, black person's making $175,000 a year and the white person's making $45,000 a year. And that's white privilege. Does anyone else hear how absolutely idiotic that argument is? Like, it's just dumb. It's demonstrably false. It's dumb. And I'd be more than happy to discuss this with her or anyone else that wants to talk about that. I have a feeling what might have been referenced were um, racist uh, laws in place uh, in the U.S. back in the 50s and 60s, which were, I, I, if I remember right, those uh, mortgage laws were 
uh, revoked, removed, whatever, uh, back in in the early 70s, like before 1971. So unless that's what she's referencing, uh, it's, it's just flat out wrong. And if it is what she's referencing, then she's referencing something that happened over 50 years ago that was declared illegal over 50 years ago and removed from law. So what is she referring to? And why are you spreading stupidity like this? You undermine your uh, your native message when you when you walk around and support organizations that have nothing to do with indigenous stuff. Like, why would anyone sell out their important message in order to prop up absolute lies? And I'm not saying that that you can't have more than one important message. I certainly do. What are my messages? Well, I'm Christian first, and I'm and I'm separatist second. I can talk about separation and I can talk about that sort of thing, but I need to be factual about it. I need to I need to make sure that I'm on the up and up. I don't want to misrepresent people. This is one of the reasons why I have uh, so few shows and I know my my uh, I, I have I have a couple of uh, what what are the names of the old guys in uh, in the Muppets that stand up or sit up on the balcony and they and they lob insults. They mean well, but they lob insults. I have a couple of, of uh, of those guys that listen, and I do call them sincere, dear friends of mine. Um, but uh, uh, you know, they talk. They talk to me about needing to to have more content, and and I agree. I do need to have more content, but at the same time, I I I don't want to ever be that person that loses his audience, loses the message because. I'm an idiot who hasn't fact-checked things, or I'm somebody who's so ideologically wrapped up in my own little world about especially tertiary things that I don't see the forest for the proverbial trees. And I'm seeing this everywhere. It drives me crazy that I'm seeing people that uh, more than ever, and maybe I've just been blind to this, or I was talking to my father-in-law the other day, talking about the fact that Maybe when I was younger, I used to be like this. I, I probably was. I probably blocked it out because being younger, I was, I was the village idiot. I, I, I did so many stupid things. It's not even funny. But uh, I'm, maybe I'm just noticing it now. But what I'm noticing is that people seem to have no problem voicing loudly uh, opinions and things that other people in the room, let's say, might find offensive. Not just a little offensive, but a lot offensive. And no one seems to care. No one seems to care at all about sharing opinions about dumbass things that they know nothing about. And it's obvious they know nothing about because they haven't... It's that stupid. And so... This is the sort of thing that that we're up against. And I, I don't... I, I sincerely believe that if you've got something that you are passionate about and you would you want to advance a cause, that you have to make sure that you don't step in the proverbial crap because you're running off at the mouth about stuff you don't know about. And so I get it. I need to put out more stuff, but that's what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to be a perfectionist, by the way. I, as soon as I open my mouth, that, that goes out the door. But... Um, we as a society need to be, I, I believe we need to be more careful about what it is that we're, we're talking about. And that's why I was so happy to see the English Premier League uh, move away from Black Lives Matter. Somebody in the league did a little bit of research and said, we ain't touching this one. Being in Britain, it would be, uh, we're not touching this one. I don't know, something a little more formal than we ain't touching this one. But somebody did their homework, and that's the point. Somebody did their homework. More people need to do their homework. I don't want to say that I won't have any more conversations with Michelle. I, 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 stopped, I stopped following her on Facebook because uh, I, she, she's losing the narrative, and it's sad to see. And, and that's the point that makes me so frustrated is that I think she does have an important message that that more people need to come to learn and understand. But, but when you run off at the mouth about crap, you don't have a clue of what you're talking about. You lose all credibility and you lose audience. Stop losing your audience. 
Why, why would you do that? It makes no sense. Speaking of not making any sense, Wexit Party of Canada changed their name this week. I understand why the name change had to happen. Um, I wasn't a fan of Wexit. Um, it was it was uh, obviously a ripoff from Brexit, uh, started by Peter Downing, I, I believe. Um, and and Peter Downing, listen, I I don't, I'm not a fan of Peter Downing, uh, but he means well. He's got Alberta's best interests at heart. I I get it. I I, I respect him for that. Um, I just don't like his style is probably the best way to put it. And what I mean by the style is that he seems to um, call it popularism, I guess. Maybe maybe that's not the right terminology, but popularism. So, I mean, he takes Brexit and runs with it and turns it into Wexit. I think it sounds... Um, it sounds like a copycat, right? It's not original. And then, to make matters worse, uh, Wexit has changed their name and this is not Peter Downing's he didn't do this but but the movement did they're now called the Maverick Party uh, if you weren't if you weren't overly attractive as a as a name before as Wexit you didn't help yourself at all by by jumping on Maverick Maverick Party and I've seen some some kinds of uh, of, of apologetics with regards to why they chose Maverick. Oh, look at the definition of Maverick. Uh, this this describes Western alienation and separation and the individualistic thought and, and being an individual and all that other all that other jazz. That's fine, but that that's not what anyone thinks of when they hear the name Maverick. They think of Top Gun, right? Uh, and and it's a corny '80s movie, which by the way they're bringing back uh, soon, and and I'm gonna go watch it because I think it'll be awesome. Um, but, uh, the Maverick party, if you're trying to increase your base, if you're trying to increase the number of people that you want, you want somebody to take you seriously. Um, that's not how you do it. I, I'm a 47 year old idiot who, who is trying to figure out life as we go along, but I'll tell you this much. I know enough to not do that. Like, who thought this was a good idea? This is a terrible idea. I, I don't understand what what people are thinking. It it uh, it drives me crazy. Will will the Maverick Party get my vote in the next federal election? Uh, yes, yes they will. It's not because they called themselves Maverick. It's because if nothing else, my next federal election votes going as a protest vote. It's going to go to the party or the person that I believe is going to represent me uh, better than than what our traditional parties have done in the past. And, uh, and, and that's certainly not the Conservatives, certainly not the NDP, Liberals, definitely not the Green Party. Um, so where, where does one turn? Well, being a Separatist, I guess I'm voting for the Separatist Party. Uh, they're called Maverick. Why? I don't know. Seems silly. Speaking of party politics, this is uh, this is one of the things that that is uh, one of the Achilles' heel, I think, of the Canadian parliamentary system, and that is uh, the party system in which, technically, when you go to the polls, you'll see big font, bold letters and that is of the name of the person on the ballot. And then in small letters underneath, you'll have the name of the party. I remember having a, a high school social studies teacher tell me that that in the Canadian system, in the parliamentary system, you actually vote for a person. You don't vote for a party, you vote for a person. Which is why you have the big bold name and then the party very small underneath. The unfortunate part, and I've heard people say this before. I've I've, I've got uh, I was in discussion with somebody not that long ago about about uh, you should research the party, but you should really research the person because you know I'm a smart guy. I don't mean this pejoratively, but just just saying, uh, I'm a smart guy, and I I vote for the individual because that's how you should do it because that person represents you at uh, at, at whether it's the legislature or at the party. 
or at the at the uh, member of parliament, and and so therefore you you should always vote for the person, not the party. The unfortunate part is is that under party politics you have something called a party whip, something that uh, Blake Richards was proudly showing off uh, last week when he was named party whip of the federal conservatives. Um, this is not a good thing. The idea that you have a party whip is not a good thing. A party whip, a party whip's job is to whip their party into being in alignment with where the party stands. So when a law or a piece of legislature uh, goes to vote, piece of legislation goes to vote, it is the job of the party whip to make sure that all MPs or MLAs fall in line with the party and where the party is voting. So this idea that we we vote in an individual, not a party, is uh, is laughable. It's a it is a bait and switch, as far as I'm concerned. Um, when you vote in a member of parliament or an MLA from a certain party, you're voting for the party, which is why when you try to move away from party politics, people people get confused. There's a there's a movement in Alberta called Alberta for All. Uh, I'd love for you to go visit their website. C.W. Alexander is the, uh, what I'd call a de facto leader of it, although it's not a party. So do you have a leader? I don't know. He's the leader of the movement, C.W. Alexander. Uh, maybe I'll have him on, on the show one day in the in the future to, to clarify a few things. But the idea is is that uh, Alberta for All is is not a party, and it is it is a movement for all Albertans, no matter where you fall on the spectrum, whether you are left or right, it doesn't matter. Uh, Alberta for All believes that Alberta is getting the shaft federally, that we are a uh, that we always have been and continue to be the cash cow of the of of confederation. That we and this has been shown over and over again. Uh, we are not treated as equals un- under confederation. Our votes are are. I think we're the least, our votes count the least across all of Canada per capita. And uh, and on top of that, we send billions upon billions of dollars every year to Ottawa in order to send to the rest of the country to prop up social programs, allegedly, uh, so that all Canadians, no matter where they are, can get equal service no matter where they are, which is pie-in-the-sky BS, but that's beside the point. Um, the The point of the matter is, is that if you're on the left or you're on the right, uh, Alberta would be better off if we were not part of Confederation anymore. And so, under that notion, um, you can have former NDP supporters and you can have former Conservative supporters all come under the same banner, all wanting the same thing, and that is predominantly they want separation from Canada. And so, this is a movement, that's why it's called Alberta, uh, Alberta for all. It's because it's truly a movement for Albertans, all Albertans, for the betterment of Albertans. And I would encourage you to go to the website. Uh, if I can remember, I'll put it under the, the notes uh, under the video here. Uh, for those of you listening on, on podcast, uh, your favorite podcast, uh, you can go to AB and then the number four, AB4 all, A-L-L, dot C-A, I believe. Alberta for all. If you punch that into Google search, you'll find Skynet, as I like to call it. You'll find you'll find the website. I would encourage you to go check it out. This Alberta for all is essentially a move away from party politics. It means individuals. You you vote in an individual who's going to represent your region the best. So if that means that most people in your region, let's say Edmonton. Most people in your region, 60% of your jurisdiction is left-leaning, then the individual that you vote for is going to vote. It doesn't matter what law is proposed. If it benefits or represents your riding the best, your individual that you elect is going to, regardless of party, because there is no party, uh, is going to vote for you, the individual's. Right, the the majority of the individuals in your constituency, that's the idea, and so party politics is thrown out the window. You have a bunch of individuals. In this case, under Alberta, you would have what 87, 87 individuals who vote for what is best for your own constituency. 
and if they don't, then there is recall legislation to recall them and vote them out for somebody who is going to represent that constituency. So for those that are left-leaning constituencies, you'll have somebody in there that votes left-leaning. If you have a more uh, rural, uh, which tends to be rural right, if you've got a more right-leaning constituency, your individual is going to vote for things which represent your constituency. And that way you have a much truer democracy than what we have today. That's the idea. So I would, uh, I would encourage you to go check them out. And um, I had a few other things that I wanted to touch on, but we're already at 50 minutes and I have to have something left over for when I get back. If you have uh, any ideas for the show, if you want me to interview somebody, um, then uh, drop me a line. You can email me at uh, ccmichael3520 at gmail.com. You can reach out to me on Parler, the social media platform Parler. I'm off Twitter because Twitter's a cesspool. And uh, for now, I'm on Facebook until uh, until apparently Trudeau is bringing in legislation at the beginning of October, which is going to severely restrict. Like, we are turning into China, people. If you can't figure that out, uh, I don't know what to tell you. number of years ago, I think I've played this before, he is a big fan he, of, of Chinese dictatorship. He's been blunt about it, said it to a room of uh, 700 women, who, of course, all... Oh, uh, fell tripping all over for him because he's he's a, a, a apparently he's a beautiful individual uh, to look at allegedly um, I don't know what they see beautiful hair I guess but uh, regardless uh, he's been blunt about it he hasn't hid the fact that he he likes China so therefore uh, he's bringing in Chinese dictatorship policies surprise like who's surprised um, Maybe next day I'll also talk about uh, um, the number of people. If I read the tea leaves right, uh, 338. If you if you punch in 338 Canada, uh, it'll take you to a website that that uh, basically prognosticates if a if a vote were to happen today, where would parties land? Um, and and they've been pretty accurate. Uh, but if you go there, uh, the Liberals are flirting with a majority. Which is absolutely insane. Which is, again, why I would say to anyone in Alberta who is trying to say, well, I'm kind of a federalist. Uh, why? Can you not see what's coming? Do you not see what's going on? And do you also not see that the Central and Eastern Canadian voters don't care? Like, this is insanity. And if we're going to have a chance, if we're going to get out from under this mess, we need to leave and we need to leave now. So... Anyhow, like I was saying, if you uh, if you want topics covered, if you want to, uh, if you know somebody that you'd like to hear interviewed, if you want to be on the show, if you think you have something to contribute, let me know, and I'll be more than happy to put you on. And uh, and I promise I'll grill you more than I grilled Michelle Robinson. Um, take care, stay safe, and uh, we'll see you on the other side of my hunting trip. Take care, everybody. Thanks for uh, thanks for tuning in.